Thanks, Barry. So remember last week we saw Philip the Evangelist proclaiming Jesus the Messiah uh, in Samaria. So we pick it up at verse 26. Acts 8, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandaki, which means Queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to worship, uh, gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. And do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they travelled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptised? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptised him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and preached uh, and travelled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Tom. Well, I wonder if you ever feel like an outsider. Uh, if your experience in life ever feels like this. <laughs> uh, you've got the action happening in the middle. You can see it there, off in the distance. You've got uh, the crowd who made their way inside the stadium. They've bought their tickets. They've made, met the dress codes. They're sitting in the stands. But then outside the ground, You've got people sitting on hilltops across the road or maybe sitting on balconies of buildings or perched in trees trying to get a view of what's going on in the distance. I wonder, does your experience of life sometimes feel like this? Or to put it another way, does relating to God ever feel a bit like this? Well, now, our passage today, we see God's gospel spreading further than ever before, including people like never before, reaching a new group of outsiders. Um, already in Acts, we've seen God's gospel being heard and received and believed by people who were a lot closer to what God had been doing. Um, the Jews in Jerusalem and Judea, 
And then we've seen God's gospel go to the outsiders in Samaria, people who had an awareness of what God was doing from a little bit further away. And now, in our passage today, we see a missionary journey to one man, just one, that shows us God's work extends to people on the fringes, to people at the geographic and religious ends of the earth to people who appeared to be outsiders to the purposes of God, people who might have thought they were beyond the care and concern of God. And in this expansion of God's gospel work, we see three things. First, God directs every aspect of reaching outsiders. Our second, God's word about Jesus is his good news for outsiders. And third, God's people are the ones who speak his good news to outsiders. And so first, let's look at what God is doing here, how he is the one directing every aspect of reaching outsiders. And we pick things up with God directing Philip. Uh, Look with me, verse 26, chapter 8, Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Um, Now my guess is that for most of us, maybe in all of us, Being spoken to by an angel of the Lord is beyond our experience. Uh, It was likely beyond Philip's experience before this moment as well. But it's important for us to remember that Luke, the writer of Acts, he records things like this for his readers as history, as real, credible, reliable events, events that he's personally verified with eyewitnesses like perhaps Philip. And even if being told where to go by an angel is unexpected or unusual or unbelievable, we see that this God-directed message to Philip is consistent with what God is doing in the rest of the passage, the way that he's directing things, all the things that God does to enable outsiders to hear and respond to the good news about Jesus. And so God, through his angel, sends Philip to a desert road that leads to Gaza which isn't where you'd expect to see gospel progress, is it? The desert road. Now, the desert isn't the place where you'd expect to see any growth, let alone gospel growth. But Philip goes and he meets an outsider from the ends of the earth. Look with me at verse 27. So he, that's Philip, started out and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandaki which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. And so this is the man who we see as the focus of God's work in this passage. And he's a fascinating person, isn't he? On the one hand, we're told about his role. He's effectively the CFO, the chief financial officer of a kingdom. So he's wealthy. He's well thought of, he's trustworthy, and he's traveling in a chariot, which would have been the the, the equivalent of a first-class chauffeured limo or a private jet. That's the level of transportation we're talking about. But we also hear him described as an Ethiopian, which means he's from a kingdom that at that time would have been seen as the ends of the earth, a region that we would now call the Sudan. So he's a long way from the action in terms of geography. And as well as being on the fringes geographically, this Ethiopian man is also on the fringes religiously. 
He is religious. As we see, he's gone to Jerusalem to worship. And during his time there, he's gotten his hands on Jewish scripture, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And on the way home, he's reading it, trying to understand it. So he's a religious person. But he's on the fringes religiously because he's a eunuch. In other words, he's a castrated male, whether by birth or as a requirement for his role. That's his situation. Being a eunuch, however it has happened, means two significant things. He has no possibility of offspring. His family line and his family name will end with him. And he has no access to the temple, no way of meeting with God. And so when we're told he went to Jerusalem to worship, he would only be able to worship on the fringes of the temple area, way, way out across the road of the outermost court in the court of the Gentiles. And so this man, he had all the money in the world, all the status you could wish for, all the religious enthusiasm, but he still couldn't come near to God. He was an outsider. But look how God treats him. This outsider sitting on the fringes geographically and religiously. Look at all the ways that God is involved in reaching him. As we've seen, God sends Philip from Samaria to this desert road. And in verse 29, God tells Philip to go near this chariot. And in verse 30, what has God enabled Philip to hear? This Ethiopian eunuch reading scripture on his return trip from Jerusalem. Because God hadn't just been working in Philip's life to bring this about. God's been working in the life of this Ethiopian man as well. Uh, the eunuch is reading this passage of scripture, this passage from Isaiah the prophet, and he can't understand it. He doesn't know who it's referring to. And God sends Philip to explain it to him, to explain to the Ethiopian eunuch the good news about Jesus starting from this passage. And God enables the Ethiopian eunuch to believe the good news about Jesus. God has set this thing up. And then God provides the way for the Ethiopian eunuch to indicate this change, to indicate his belief, to symbolically recognize the change he's experienced through believing in Jesus. Even though they are in the desert, God provides water for him to be baptized by Philip. As we see the way God reaches out to this man, we can be encouraged by God's heart for outsiders. Because what we see here reminds us that God does care and is concerned for those who feel and are a long way from him, for people who are outsiders apart from God's work in their lives, whether they know they're outsiders or not. As we see that God directs every aspect of his ministry to outsiders, this, this encourages us, encourages us to see people the way that God does to pray for people with God's heart for them in mind so that we ask God to continue to reach out, to continue his work of bringing people to himself, setting things up like this, even for those who we might think it's impossible to reach. But the good news isn't just that God reaches out. The second thing we see in this passage is that God's word about Jesus is his good news for outsiders. It's not just the reaching out, it's the message of the gospel as well. And this is for even for outsiders who think they have no future beyond this life. 
even for outsiders who are a long way from being accepted and welcomed by God. Um, We see this in the verses from Isaiah that the eunuch is reading. Um, In verse 32, we're told that this is the passage of Scripture that he was reading. He was led like uh, like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice, who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from the earth. Now, Isaiah, if you've opened it, read it, stumbled across it, Isaiah is a long book, right? It would have been hefty, not to mention expensive, if he had the whole thing. And out of that long book, the the Ethiopian focuses on these two verses. And it's fair enough for us to wonder, well, why these verses? Now, I think it's because the eunuch sees someone like him in them. Um, These verses speak of a person who has been made an outsider and who's been treated as an outsider, and they don't protest, and they don't put up a fight despite the injustice of their treatment, perhaps like the eunuch. And the question is asked within these verses, questions asked within these verses, Who can speak of this person's descendants? As he awaits his death, the person described in these verses is awaiting their death. They've got no hope of children to remember them, no hope of anyone to live beyond them. Uh, This person's family name and family line will end with them, just like the eunuch. And so after reading these verses, the Ethiopian eunuch wants to know who they're about. Who is this about? Who is this outsider? He recognises that the identity of the person being described by Isaiah matters. In verse 24, Acts 8.24 now, he asks Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about? Who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? And Philip told the Ethiopian eunuch who this passage was about. Philip told him that it was about Jesus. Now we're reading Luke's Gospel at Jesus knew himself that he was fulfilling what Isaiah said, these things that Isaiah had written 700 years earlier. Um, Just before his arrest, Jesus quoted from Isaiah 53 and said, I tell you that this must be fulfilled in me. Yes, what is written about me is reaching its fulfillment. Uh, Jesus knew that he would willingly face the suffering that Isaiah described, that he would be humiliated and deprived of justice. And Jesus knew that at his death, there would be no evidence of a future family for him. He would die alone. There's nothing attractive about this picture. Suffering in silence and dying alone is nobody's idea of success. But when Isaiah wrote these words 700 years earlier, he didn't just indicate what Jesus would do. In the rest of Isaiah 53, we see why Jesus needed to do it. Um, A couple of verses earlier than the ones quoted for us, we read that Jesus was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Why? Well, because we're told that we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him, on Jesus, the iniquity of us all. And so in the passage the eunuch is reading, Isaiah is explaining that we've all turned away from God. We've kept him at arm's length. We've chosen to relate to him on our terms and not his. And there's consequences for this. 
or how we've treated God. We all deserve to be turned away and kept at a distance by God. And yet this person who turns out to be Jesus came near to us, came to take our place. Jesus related to God on God's terms. He related to God like we were meant to. But then Jesus chose to be treated like an outsider, to be treated like an outsider instead of us to be treated like an outsider for the sake of outsiders like us so that outsiders like us could be made insiders by Jesus and so that through trusting in Jesus, we could be given a new life, a new future, a new access to God that we'd never had before, that we could never have by ourselves. And this was always God's plan. It was always God's plan for outsiders to hear and understand and respond to his good news. Even those who were furthest away geographically and religiously. Because if the Ethiopian eunuch kept reading his Isaiah scroll, he would have come across this promise from God to eunuchs like him. Um, This is what Isaiah 56 says. To the eunuchs, I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. And he would have also come across this promise from God to foreigners like him. And foreigners I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. For my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Now these promises written centuries earlier were pointing to this moment in Acts when God would reach out to an Ethiopian eunuch on a desert road and God would share with him the good news about Jesus so that this man might hear it and understand it and believe it. And after hearing, understanding and believing the good news about Jesus, this is the Ethiopian eunuch's response. In verse 36, he says this to Philip, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptised? And this is the question for outsiders who hear the good news about Jesus, isn't it? Before any of us heard or understood the good news about Jesus, we had no way of relating to God. There were barriers that we had set up by the way that we've treated him. Barriers that we couldn't overcome, no matter what riches or resources or reputation we might have had. No matter how religious we might have been. But now... After hearing and understanding what Jesus has done, after trusting in what God has done for us in Jesus, we ask, well, what can stand in the way? Now that Jesus has taken my place as an outsider, is there anything that leaves me as an outsider to God? And the answer is nothing, nothing at all. Because when someone hears and understands and responds to what Jesus has done, Uh, to what Jesus has done, that we're given full access to God, full forgiveness from God, and a glorious future with God as part of his family. And this is true even for people as far away geographically and religiously as this Ethiopian eunuch. It's no wonder he went on his way rejoicing. Um, Now, I must say, being baptised with water that we see here, this isn't what saves a person. Um, As special as it might be, no outward activity like baptism can make someone right with God. 
But what we see here, baptism with water, is the visible and outward sign that Jesus has given to show what God has already done on the inside of a person. That through God's work in their hearts, they've put their trust in Jesus. Their sins have been washed clean by Jesus, giving them new life in Jesus, a new life that is lived for him. And that's what we see happening here. Now, I know that in a gathering of this size, there are, there are likely people who haven't yet put their trust in Jesus, people who baptised or not haven't had their sins washed clean by Jesus, who haven't been given new life in Jesus, who aren't living for him. And if that's where you're at, then you know, I'm, glad you're, I'm glad you're here. You're hearing God's word with us today. But I also want to ask, well, where are you up to? Maybe you haven't heard enough about Jesus. What you've heard here today about Jesus is new. It's unfamiliar. Maybe you've heard, but you haven't yet understood. You've got lots of questions that you're thinking through. Maybe you've heard and understood. Maybe you've heard lots about Jesus. Maybe you understand everything, but you haven't yet responded to what God has done for you. Maybe you don't know what responding to Jesus would even look like. Well, can I just say again, if anything I've said reflects where you're up to, and that's great for you to recognise that. And can I encourage you today to do something about that, to tell someone where you're up to. If you have someone sitting with you today who's a Christian, let them know. If you're chatting with someone over morning tea, that's a conversation worth having. And if you don't have a Christian friend that you can trust with that, uh, then please take the opportunity to chat to someone who you see up the front uh, today. Um, me, Tom, Barry, Elizabeth will be praying for us soon. And because as a church, we know that God has reached out to outsiders like us. And we'd love to see everyone taking steps uh, to respond to what God has done in Jesus so that we can rejoice like the man that we see here in this passage. Um, so far, we've seen that God directs every aspect of reaching outsiders. We've seen that God's word about Jesus is his good news for outsiders. But there's one more thing we're shown in this passage that helps us to see our place as believers in what God is doing. Um, God's people are the ones who speak God's news to outsiders. Um, now, in Acts, we've seen some extraordinary events. Uh, we've seen people being healed. We've seen demons being driven out. And even in this passage, we've heard about angels. We've heard, seen God's spirit directing things. But what's helpful for us to notice is the simple way that the Ethiopian eunuch hears and understands the good news about Jesus. It's not through an angelic appearance. He doesn't see an angel. It's not through a spectacular spiritual experience. That's not what happens here. It's one believer explaining the good news of Jesus from God's word. Um, this is what we see in verse 35. Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. So simple. And through Acts, this is what we've continued to see. Believers being used by God to speak the good news about Jesus, helping people to hear and understand what God has done for them in Jesus. Are people explaining how the promises of God's word have come true in Jesus? And we've seen it with the apostles. When the apostles were commissioned by Jesus, they spoke. Uh, when opposition tried to silence them, they prayed for boldness so they could continue speaking the good news about Jesus. Uh, when false charges were brought against Stephen, the believer, as he appeared before religious leaders, what did he do? Well, he spoke. When thousands of regular believers were scattered after Stephen was killed, 
What did they do? They spoke about Jesus wherever they went. And when Philip was scattered to a Samaritan town, he did the same thing as part of that. And when Philip met an Ethiopian eunuch who was the CFO of a kingdom in a chariot on a desert road, what did he do? He spoke too. He spoke so that this man could hear and understand the good news about Jesus, that it was for him as well. And this is the regular way that the message of the gospel goes out. The person speaking might change, the audience might change, the location might change, but the way God works to further his mission is the same. God's saving word is spoken by God's saved people. Um, If I was to ask you how God led you to trust in Jesus, I wonder how many of your stories would include the people who God worked through. Maybe your story would include how God led you to hear and understand Jesus uh, through parents, through friends, through family. Maybe your story would include how God guided you to respond through people at church, whether those preaching from the front or those speaking with you, relating to you in the seats, your fellow Christians. Maybe there were others who God used to speak in subtler ways, but whose particular words and impact uh, now escapes you. But even in our own stories, it's likely that we'll see the same thing that we've seen in Acts. The person speaking might change, the audience might change, the location might change, but the way that God works to further his mission is the same. God's people are the ones who bring and who speak God's word about Jesus to outsiders. God has shown us in this passage that he directs every aspect of reaching outsiders And it's an encouragement for us that beyond these events on the desert road, God continues to reach out to people so that that people like us can hear and understand and respond to the good news about Jesus. So that in Jesus, even those far away from God can have full access to God, full forgiveness from God, a glorious future with God as part of his family. And the opportunities that God gives us, gives us as believers to be part of this work, to be involved in speaking his good news are are numerous. They're everywhere. They might not be as clear-cut as being told by an angel where to go, having only one chariot in the middle of the desert to come near to, uh, having someone ask us about one passage of scripture that they've been reading. But as we look for and take up opportunities that God does give us, it's good for us to remember and to be motivated by what God has shown us here that God is the one directing every aspect of reaching outsiders, that his word about Jesus is his good news for outsiders, and that he involves us in speaking his good news to outsiders, so that outsiders like us, like our Ethiopian brother in Christ, and like all who are brought near in Jesus, so that all of us can go on our way rejoicing in what God's done for us. Um, We're going to sing now about our response to Jesus as we see what God has done for us in him. And our song is called Here I Am to Worship. So let's stand and let's sing together.